Quick note before we start today's show, I wanted to remind you guys to check out the System is Down podcast hosted by Dan Smolt, aka Dan Smots. The podcast is all about talking about things that generally uh, make people a little bit uncomfortable, religion, politics, conspiracy. Bottom line is Dan will talk to absolutely anyone about absolutely anything. Nothing is off the table. Recently, Dan ran into a little bit of trouble with the Facebook police. He's had his accounts banned from Facebook, his personal account, his business page accounts, his podcast accounts, his wife's account. Everything has been uh, scrubbed from the Facebook world. So if you could, please support the System Is Down podcast. The System Is Down podcast. Check it out. We are born free. And we will die free. The time in between, though, that's complicated. In that time, governments, institutions, and our egos will limit our ability to find true freedom in this life. These are real stories of real people overcoming the odds, persevering in justice, and unlocking their potential. Welcome to Finding Freedom. Here's your host, John Oderman. Welcome back to another edition of Finding Freedom, a weekly show here on the Lions of Liberty podcast. airs every Thursday. It uh, is one of three shows on Lions of Liberty. On Monday, we have our flagship program with Mark Claire. Wednesday, Electric Liberty Land with Brian McWilliams. And Thursday, this show right here. You can get all three shows in your podcast feed by simply hitting that subscribe button on whatever podcatcher you are listening to this to. So please consider doing that. And today's show, I've been looking forward to this for a long time. I'm bringing back one of the first guests I had on Felony Friday. This show used to be called Felony Friday, in case you're just catching up. Um, It's been rebranded. It's called Finding Freedom now. Um, I have me back on Cos Marte. And this is a guy with an amazing story. He is a powerful entrepreneur that you guys are going to learn so much today about mindset overcoming adversity, overcoming obstacles, and maximizing your skill set. So get comfortable, and uh, you might want to get something to uh, take some notes with, and definitely get ready to share this episode with your friends. Let's get into it. Today, I welcome Cos Marte back to the show. He was on the show actually way back on episode 21, of course, back then when, it, when the show was called Felony Friday. Uh, you can go back and listen to it if you like. Uh, definitely not required for this show. We're going to talk about some of the same things, but uh, definitely a lot of new material covered today as well. Just a uh, quick uh, overview of Koss. Uh, at 19, he was making more than $2 million per year selling drugs. He was using a unique and really uh, first-of-its-kind delivery system that he refers to as sort of becoming the first Uber of the, of the drug trade. Uh, at the age of 23, he was arrested, convicted, spent seven years in prison, really transformed his life in prison, lost 70 pounds, changed his outlook on life, changed everything. And that led him to, after getting out of prison, becoming a very successful entrepreneur and uh, starting, founding a uh, fitness company, Conbody. So we'll talk about all of that, talk about the pandemic, how he's navigated that. Koss, welcome to Finding Freedom. No, thank you, John, for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, well, it's great to talk to you again. And 
to be honest with you, when I when I do interviews and people talk to me about my show and my guests and people I've had on that uh, you know I think they should go back and listen to the interview, you're a name that that always comes up because I think your story is is so powerful. Um, just the really the 180 that you did not only with the successful business but the change in your health, just the change in change in everything. So uh, I wanted to do a you know a more uh, recent episode of this and kind of up you know get an update on your life and how you're navigating the pandemic and things of that nature. But before we do that, just to uh, give people who don't know you, you know, really uh, so they get a sense of who you are and what you overcame. Let's start back at the beginning to start out. So when you're 19 years old, right? Yeah, when you're 19 years old, you're making $2 million a year uh, selling drugs. Take us to that point in time. Tell us about where you were at that point in your life and and what life was like for you. Yeah, I mean, at, at that time, it was, it was pretty crazy in terms of like, you know, how operations was moving forward. Uh, before then, it was, it, was, it was like, you know, when I was like 16, 17 years old, I was sitting on a milk crate on a corner in front of a corner bodega in New York City and uh, just selling coke and crack. And then we, we escalated to doing delivery services. Um, as my neighborhood started getting gentrified in the early 2000s, um, we went and targeted a new clientele. You know, all the people that was working at Wall Street and uh, all the professionals that, that were young professionals that moved into the area, you know, we just started dealing to them and it became a whole service where we started doing like bike services and had our all our friends on the on the block. And I think what made us, uh, my, my partner back then, Joey and I successful was that we, we didn't procrastinate. We didn't procrastinate. I, I, I think that was like the number one thing that we hated was to waste time because every time we spent not hustling, then we were not making money. And we really believed like time was money. And like, we were so much, so money hungry that we, we didn't sleep for, we would stay up for three days at a time. And then like one person would crash in the side of the car. We we're like brushing our teeth on the side of, you know, the streets, uh, you know, using the bathroom on the streets. Like we just didn't waste, like we were 24 hours a day. And, um, when I was 19, things started, you know, progressing and, and, and everybody started getting, uh, you know, everybody started getting on board, all our friends that were just hanging on in the corner, really procrastinating, just smoking weed, wasting their life away. You know, that was my mentality. I would like tell them like, yo, what are you doing? Like, we have so much demand. We're making so much money. We can't even, you know, fulfill our demand. There was cause that we just couldn't fulfill because it was just two of us at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And so we started hiring the people, our, our personal friends to, you know, get on, we started getting bikes for them and then we started getting cars and then it became a whole delivery service where we made business cards. I made uh, 10,000 business cards. Um, and it was like, it, it ran like an Uber service. You know, there was no app back then. We were using flip phones, but we had the Nextels and we were like bleeping everyone like a car service, like, uh, you know, go to 25th and Lex, uh, go over here to Bedford, you know, like we were just sending everybody to every destination and everybody was parked in different places. And, and at, at our highest 
peak, we were we had o- over twenty people working with us. Wow. So, w- what drove you? You said you you were money hungry. You and your uh, your business partner at the time. But like, where where did that come from? But what was like, what was you know, what was making you you know want to work so hard? I think, um, I don't know. I think it was just maybe both of us grew up in pro- poverty. Um, you know, we didn't have much. But like uh, personally, my, myself, I was just frustrated that I couldn't get like my family couldn't get anything for me. Um, you know, I always had to wear my hand-me-downs from like my sisters or my cousins you know like if they had sneakers or whatever like I was just like you know my mom was like shopping at Salvation Army you know um I couldn't even like I had to get my own candy you know what I mean my mom couldn't buy the candy you know what I mean so at a very early age I had to go get it you know by myself um, and, and do different hustles. You know, I remember five, six years old collecting cans, you know, from neighbor to neighbor, putting them in garbage bags, you know, going down to the bodega, changing them for nickels, you know? So, um, that's what, that's what I was doing. You know, I was, I was, uh, a, I don't know. It was just inside me that, you know, I was a hustle, but I also think I got it from, you know, my parents, um, uh, especially my mom. She was like, the number one hustler she used to sell like this uh it's, it was called jafra it was a, uh, it was like a lotion it was like the avon you know mm-hmm. lotion companies um but she would like stop people in the street you know put some lotion on people we'll be in the subway when i was a kid and 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 she'll start a conversation and and like squirt somebody you know and be like hey you know smell that blah, blah, blah. you know it was just like seeing her just and she always said like if you don't ask you don't eat you know what i mean mm-hmm. so i think it was just that that mentality um and that's how i always thought you know and that's how that's how i still think you know uh yeah. i've had as like I, i'm not greedy anymore like you know i feel like everything's going to be provided in some way somehow um nowadays but uh back then it was if you are not making money, I didn't want to talk to you. I, I like that. Don't if, if you don't ask, don't eat. Um, that kind of leads me to my next question, and I think I know the answer. But you know, a lot some people in that situation might apply themselves and you know be looking at you know doing the best they can in school, trying to you know get the best grades so they can go and get a job. Um, so. Was it, you know, really seeing your mother setting this example, this entrepreneurial spirit, you know, seeing that that exchange of, uh, you know, asking someone and then getting a sale? Is that what drove you towards, you know, really being an entrepreneur selling drugs rather than applying yourself academically and going that direction? Yeah, no, I, I mean, I always did well in school, um, especially math. I was always pretty good at math. Um, but it was just uh, it was in my neighborhood. You know, it was, it was, I had cousins that were sitting on the corner, you know, all the time. Um, and I just learned the tricks of the trade from like my family members that I saw that they were making money and I wanted to make money too. So, uh, I started standing on the corner with them and I felt like it was no, there was no real, you know, there was no, uh, yeah, immediate like instant gratification. And, you know, exactly like my mom had that instant gratification when she sold a lotion to a stranger, you know what I mean? And, and, and made that happen. And for me, it was like, 
I sold drugs and I saw that instant gratification. I saw that money right in my pocket right away. Mm-hmm. You know? And I, I loved that feeling. So when you were 23, you were arrested or was that 23 when you were convicted? Uh, 23 when I was arrested. Yeah. You were arrested. Um, you ended up doing seven years in prison and I know you had this big transformation. So kind of, kind of walk us through what was your mindset and what was your state of mind health wise, even when you went into prison and then what caused that shift to happen? It was, I don't know. I think I still had the same mindset when I was uh, definitely inside. And when I was arrested, it was not towards the end of my incarceration that I started changing my mindset of doing the right thing. For me, I was, I was still hustling in there. I was still operating stuff from the, the prison phones and letters and, you know, and, and, you know, sneaking in drugs, um, you know, getting officers to bring me stuff in and, and the, the mentality didn't stop, you know, it was just like mm-hmm. a nonstop, you know, mentality that I had to get it. Even I was, I was facing, I was, I was going to get 12 years, you know, like that was my, my mandatory minimum. And thank God, like while I was incarcerated, the law has changed and I got to get receive seven years. And so it was, that was just my mentality. But towards the end of my incarceration, I had, uh, had like a spiritual awakening in solitary confinement that changed my, my way of thinking. Um, you know, I, I started reading the Bible and I wrote, read the Bible from front to back. And, um, and I realized what I was really doing was wrong, that I was not only affecting my son, uh, who, you know, I had to teach his, I had to teach him his ABCs through a prison payphone, you know, like, I, I was not only affecting him, my family, but I was affecting the thousands of people that I sold drugs to. And I, I said I needed to give back, give back to society in some way or somehow. And I was already helping people in the prison yard, you know, lose weight, working out. I lost 70 pounds in six months. Um, I started like this whole camaraderie thing in the prison yard with other inmates. And it was just it, it, it clicked. It was like, this is how I want to get back. I, I love training. I want to, I want to train people in groups. And, um, I remember just imagining myself doing that while I was in, in the cell, you know, mm-hmm. just imagining that I had people right in front of me and I, I had to train so many people, you know, and, and, and I started writing everything I wanted to do down in, in a piece of paper. And, um, and, and I was, I was, I was released and I just started doing it. Uh, I, I started doing it in the parks. It, w- it took me two years before I started seeing, you know, I think the biggest group I had was like five, six people, you know, mm-hmm. uh, like it took me two years of just hustling, waking up every single day, going up to everybody, you know, wearing workout clothes and just asking them like, Hey, do you work out? You know, and just people you didn't even know you'd never seen before just going up. Yeah. Bringing that same mentality. If you don't ask, you don't eat, you know, and I just kept asking and asking. And I, and I did the same thing when I was selling drugs, I was going up to random people telling them, yo, I got this, I got that. And and I just brought it to play what, you know, in the, in the fitness game and uh, just kept doing it, kept doing it. You talked about when you're in your jail cell, visualizing, you know, running a workout class, writing down 
um, you know, writing down your goals. Where did you learn that? Where'd you pick that up? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I, nobody taught me to like, Hey, visualize or imagine that you're in a room and, and imagine it's a reality. It, it just became like something that I was when you're in solitary confinement uh, in 24 hour lockdown, your head starts fucking with you, you know, and, uh, and, and you just got nothing to do. You got no one to talk to, you know, you got no one to like, you got no entertainment. So you, the only entertainment is your mind. And so, that became, you know, my, my visualiz- visualization and my dream. And I just, just started imagining things, you know? Yeah, that's, that's, that's crazy. Um, cause you know, people spend all this time. There's people who teach like online courses on, on visualization now. So people can learn how to do it and you yeah. just picked it up sort of instinctively. That's really interesting, yeah. but it, it, it works. Um, so Take us through, you know, you're, you're, you're hustling in the park, you're going up to, to strangers, you're forming these sort of impromptu workout classes. How do you get from, from that point to con body? Yeah, I mean, I got a lot of help. I, I joined uh, an entrepreneurship program called The Five Ventures that, that helps uh, formerly incarcerated people start their own businesses. Um, I was doing this in the park and, and, uh, and I heard about this program, um, and they were giving out loans. And so, you know, I, I had tried to find a job. I was trying to find a job left and right. I, you know, I was not being hired because of my background and I had a whole bunch of barriers that I had to face through that. Um, but I, I joined a program and I started, you know, just learning, you know, I, I knew I had business skills, but I, I didn't have, I, I knew I had the transferable business skills, but I started really learning how to put a business plan together, how to put a financial model together, you know, um, all the proper things that you need nowadays to run a business. And, and obviously like when I came home, there was no Instagram, Facebook, you know, that there was, I, when I was out, like when I came home that all that thing just smacked me in my face and I didn't know what that was, but I had to quickly learn that. And I learned that through, you know, just experimenting and just adapting it. And, and, um, even a touchscreen phone, I went in with a flip phone came out of a touchscreen phone, you know, so it was just a whole different world, you know, mm-hmm. of technology, but then thanks to the program, they helped me, but also I had mentors like, like Mike, Michael Rothman, um, who sat down with me and like taught me basics, you know, like taught me how to send a proper email, taught me how to, you know, create a spreadsheet. You know, I had no idea how to use Excel, you know, like I, 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 back in the day I was using a marble notebook and writing our numbers down, you know what I mean? So it was, it was just, uh, a, a learning experience. Um, and, and thank God that I had a lot of mentors and I, I took advantage. Like I took advantage of everybody. You said he was going to help me. I made sure that I was going to attack you and, and utilize every expertise that I could like grasp out of you and, and use that to my ability. And, um, and, and that's how Combody came about. I was from the parks. So I started renting out studios and those studios started getting packed and flooded as, as media and more people in the word of mouth started spreading. And then uh, I couldn't handle it myself, so I hired my my uh, my first trainer, um, and then it became, you know, a, a hiring practice of 
just hiring people coming out of the prison system, people that I knew, people that I came across that had the same struggle as I did, you know, trying to find a job. Um, and, and, and that's how, that's how it came about. So you were talking before about, uh, Defy Ventures. What, what type of, uh, program did they have? How difficult was it to, to get that loan? Like, what was the process like? I didn't even get a loan from them. Um, you know, I was trying, but I didn't even get a loan from them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I basically won, uh, a couple business plan competitions and I think accumulative, I got like eight, nine thousand dollars from them. Uh, they used to have, they used to host like these, uh, business plan competitions of a thousand, twenty five hundred. And I think the last one was like five G's or something. Mm-hmm. I, um, uh, came in like third, second. And the last one I won the, the $5,000 prize. And, and, and then I was also like making money, like on the side, I was, I was doing other hustles. I was actually like selling t-shirts on the street. Um, uh, I, I, if you're in New York and you know what a city bike is, they have the, like the city bank has the city bikes. And so I, I made shirts that says shitty bikes. Uh, and, uh, with the same like printing logo. And I was like, people were laughing at me cause I was like wearing all like blue, bright blue, um, and, and riding the bike and people were laughing and I'd be like, Hey, I'm, I'm selling these shirts and I'll have a book bag of shirts, you know, and sell it to people for 20 bucks and pop. And I was, I was screen printing them and all that stuff. So doing that on the side, hus- uh, like hustling with, with the fitness and training side, um, and, and I saved up enough money to, you know, get our first studio. And then I got uh, investment and from there just made it happen from family and friends. I, I just started raising money from mentors that, you know, invested in me. So, so was that hard to get the, the loan from the bank to get your first studio? Or is it something where the bank, if you have the money and that they were willing to do it and you had the business plan? Uh, I didn't, I didn't get no money from the bank. Okay. Uh, yeah, I didn't get any money for it. It was bootstrap. Uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I, I had like, I recently got like a PPP loan and I think that was the first loan I got. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So like, um, and, and I couldn't because it was like, uh, there was like a stipulation back then and, and it changed it where formerly incarcerated people couldn't get business loans or some crazy mm-hmm. stuff. But like, Chase told me I, uh, I I didn't qualify because I checked the box. I had a felony. Um, I went to other banks like Citibank and Bank of America, and I couldn't do the same. So I said I needed to figure it out myself. And then even finding a, a, a place like to operate and open up the gym, yeah, I still had to check that box. You know, I'm, uh, I'm formerly incarcerated. I have a felony, and and nobody wanted to rent the space to me. Um, and I, and then I found like a little basement on the Buddhist temple, uh, and this Buddhist lady like rented the basement and I built it out to like a little prison cell space, um, and made it happen there. Hey, just want to take a real quick minute here to talk about another libertarian podcast. If you haven't listened to good morning Liberty, it's a five day per week show. Nate and Charlie, I don't know how they do it. Five days per week, pumping out fantastic content. Also, um, their Twitter game, I have to say, I've been following them on Twitter, is on point. 
at Good AM Liberty. Check it out. I don't know if it's Nate or Charlie running the account, but whichever one is doing it, fantastic job. Um, also, their their show. So, what is their show? They are trying to really take the onus of trying to change people's minds of how uh, people view libertarians, and they're trying to do this by leading with a message of compassion first. Rather than, um, you know, pounding on your keyboard and screaming at people like libertarians uh, love to do. So they're looking at ways in which policies impact people and using the principles of liberty to provide compassionate solutions. Uh, they both have uh, backgrounds in healthcare. They own a healthcare IT company. Check it out. Good Morning Liberty, wherever you get your podcast. You can also um, subscribe to their podcast by going to BernieLies.com, which uh, in an aw- so awesome redirects right to their uh, their podcast links page. So check that out. Good Morning Liberty. Well, it's it's super interesting, and uh, it's take us through because I mean, you really turned that weakness of checking the box, you know, being a formerly incarcerated individual, turned that into your entire brand, Con Body. So take us through like that shift because I mean, now I mean, you've, you've turned that. It's, it's kind of crazy to think about. It. You turn that weakness into the reason why people are looking for you or are looking to uh, to work out with uh, with you and your trainers. Yeah, yeah. I uh, so. Uh, in the beginning, I, I thought it was a great uh, uh, branding opportunity. And, and when I started Combody, it, it was something I imagined doing. Like it was just an, uh, something I was doing. And while I was, I was renting in like these ballet studios, um, you know, I was training out of there. I had, uh, I had what, what I had uh, encountered a few people that just like, thought it was a regular boot camp that I was running because they were like peeking through the door and they're like, oh, you're running fitness classes. And I'll be like, hey, come in. And I had people, you know, as soon as they heard it was a prison workout and they they thought they knew that. Then I, I announced that I was like, in the beginning of class, I was like, there's a prison style boot camp. You know, I lost 70 pounds in six months doing this thing in the prison style. And people, some people would walk out because they didn't really wow. talk to me. And so I, I felt that discrimination and, and I would crack those out. Like some people would leave and I would just make fun of them as they were leaving and people would laugh, you know? Um, but I was like, fuck this. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to build a space, you know, that I want to brand like a prison. And, and if, and people are going to be aware of it, you know, they're not going to come into the door and be like, Oh, you know, what is this? You know, this is what it is. And if you don't like it, don't come in. Um, and I didn't, I, um, it was just all in my head. Uh, but it was, uh, uh, a reporter that came in, one of the clients, she, she wrote for Will and Good and she was coming, coming to classes often. She was like, I want to write an article on you. And, um, she wrote and she was like, what do you want? You know, what do you imagine? I was like, I want to build a place that looks like a prison. I want to, you know, maybe have people with jumpsuits, you know, get mug shots, have a prison gate blah, blah, blah. And she wrote this and I, the response was going, like, I, I think I got like 2000 class booked after, I, after that article went out and it was going crazy. And, um, and so many people were like, when are you going to build the spot? And I'm like, Oh shit. Now that this thing is out there, I have to do it now. <laughs> like I put it out in the universe, like everybody heard it, you know? And so, and uh, I pushed forward and, and made it happen that way. 
So how, how did you scale from there? You open one spot and kind of, I mean, we'll, we'll kind of separate the pandemic and navigating that, but just talk about like scaling up. Um, yeah. cause I, I know you have several different locations now, right? Yeah, we only actually have one one location now. We've we've done a lot of pop ups uh, in different different areas of Manhattan. Um, we opened up a spot in Saks Fifth Avenue, uh, which is which was crazy. Uh, and then why, we had a spot. Why in, was that crazy? Because <laughs> Saks Fifth Avenue is like the bougiest store in America. You know, we, we were we were right on top of like Louis Vuitton. You know, like. You see these like old ladies with, you know, Gucci, Louis, Fendi and all this crazy stuff. You know what I mean? Walking by Mm -hmm. and they'd be like, you guys are ex-cons and they'll like walk away and we would have more deeper conversations with them and convince them to work out with us. It was a crazy experience, um, but it actually like helped change perceptions of people that have been incarcerated, like all my staff greet our, our people with a smile, you know, you're welcome, you know, and, and, and what people's perception is, is that we're all like locked up, caged animals, rapists, killers, you know, this is what all this media outlets like push out, you know, and, and that's the mindset. And, and we really need to change that perception, you know? So let's fast forward to, to current times, pandemic, hits and i was just on your your website uh before this looking at your your website and just have to point out one thing and you do call it out right on the website that all your trainers are formerly incarcerated individuals talk about your story so it's i mean it's it's front and center um but so during the pandemic it hits did you already have your now you have like video on demand and you have live classes was that all already set up or was that something that you that you added because of the pandemic yeah no we had uh I had done like make 20 videos um, uh, back then and I had like a subscription model. I was not really focused on it. It was like uh, videos that I shot on the iPhone 7. You know, mm-hmm. I, I was like traveling, you know, going on like different trips. I was like, I remember going to Hong Kong and, and being in, a, in the, the smallest hotel room I've ever been in. You know, and I, and I couldn't like, I, didn't, I felt like I was in solitary confinement because of the limited space I had. And I started doing workouts there. And I was like, you could do this anywhere, all body weight, no equipment, you know. And so I started doing workout videos everywhere I was going. And I, I think I had about 20 up there. Um, and as the pandemic hit, like, we our subscriptions just started, like, going up. Everybody was like, I need to do something. I need to do something. And so we we kept, like, pushing that forward and then we revamped the, the website we got we started uh we we i hired a video production guy and we started doing more videos um with all my trainers uh, and we've done a couple of videos with my trainers in the past but this time we like up the production value and, and and made it way better and then the live stream is something that we quickly pivoted like Day one, they told me uh, we can't open. I was like, I'm going to send everybody a, a Google Hangout link. Mm-hmm. And everybody loved it. I just put a laptop in front of the studio and, and we started working out. And now, now we've just been like, uh, right after like the Google, like the next day, I was like, let's use Zoom because it's just better quality. And, and then I installed like 
an actual like uh, 4K camera that's live streaming um, every time we have class. And so now with the limited capacity of people that we can have in the studio, we'll have uh, like eight people, 10 people in the studio. Um, and then we get live stream the classes and people are just on a Zoom call. Mm-hmm. So uh, we run that three times a day. Do you think that you you were ahead of the curve and sort of transitioned faster than other gyms? Have you have you even kept track of that? Or yeah, um, we I feel like we were the first uh, like fitness studio to like transition because mm-hmm. I transitioned like within the next hour, you know. And I, it, and for me, it was just so easy to do. I don't I don't have to. I'm not a big gym, you know what I mean. I'm I'm like setting the rules so mm-hmm. I, I i didn't have to ask permission i just like you know told myself do this you know and just quickly pivot it and um and as it started getting warm outside we started live streaming outside you know with double mic uh people up and then we'll just have like 50 60 people outside um in front of us and, and we'll have like 20 people on zoom you know so uh we actually started making more money, you know, because limited, like it was just unlimited capacity of the amount of people. Uh, but now it's been a, a little bit, uh, it's, it's, it's not as good as, as it was like, you know, we, we stopped like the outdoor workouts, like the first week of December because in New York is, it was just freezing. We started getting just like a trickle of people in there. And, and my trainers are like, yo, I can't do this. No, they like shaking out there. You know what I mean? Um, but some people are showing up and then, and then we got to open up again at a, at a, tw- uh, 25% occupancy. Um, and so we start, we we're in the studio now, so limited amount of people, you know, in person, but, um, people are still zooming in. Well, like what percentage of your business is, you know, online subscriptions and video on demand and what percent is people coming in? I would say um, more. We have more in-person business. Uh, I would say like seventy percent in-person, thirty percent online. And then, like looking we ahead, we charge, we charge more in-person. Okay, gotcha. Like looking ahead, you know, after hopefully after this pandemic is over someday, do, do you think that the model that you kind of created with the video on demand, do you think that's something that will stick and grow? Um, is that you're going to have like, you know, two different revenue streams there that you can really grow? Yeah, we're, we're doing it. You know, yeah. it's, it's something that's here to stay. Uh, we got people zooming, zooming in from Germany to Amsterdam to from Hong Kong, you know what I mean? Like all over the world, you know, so it's, it's here to stay, you know, people are doing it. Um, people are loving it. And we have a, a subscription model too, that people are watching our videos where, we're producing three new videos every week. Um, and so we, we have a ton of content on our website. And, and it's only $14 a month. It's way cheaper than any, any other fitness studio that's, that's you know, pivoting that way. And, uh, and, and people are loving it. Like we, we've seen people stick around you know, mm-hmm. since the pandemic started. Yeah, I think I'm, I might actually do it. I'm looking at the prices. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's really affordable. And the workout wow. is crazy. Like you're not gonna get a body weight workout like that. You know, no everyone is like doing I don't know. 
I, I, we, we have a whole different concept of working out. You know, it's just like nonstop hit. You know, it's not even hit. We don't even, you know, some of it is hit, but like we don't take no breaks. <laughs> mm-hmm. So looking forward, you know, y- years from now, um, if you're looking, I don't know, five, 10 years from now, you're a guy who visualizes things. Where, where do you visualize Con Body? You know, five, 10 years from now, what do you think it's going to be like? How big is it going to be? Yeah, I want to open up as many studios as possible around the country, hire people all over the country that's coming out of the prison system. And, you know, even the world, I've, I've uh, done a pop up in London uh, that was re- extremely successful for us. Um, and we're working on revisiting that as the pandemic, you know, dies down. But um, that's the goal is to really hire people and, and create a debt in the recidivism rate. Um, and in addition, you know, grow our online subscription and and uh, create some type of hardware, you know, like Peloton has their bike. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't want to do a bike, but I have I have different ideas already that I, that I want to implement and I'm, I'm, I'm talking to my team about. So we need somebody that could create some hardware. I have the idea, I have the concept. Uh, we just need somebody that's a builder. I don't. I don't know how to build a robot, but <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get there. That's awesome. How have you been advertising? Do you advertise? Do you, do you advertise at all? Is it all word of mouth? Uh, we just started doing like um, the digital marketing uh, since the pandemic. Like we, we, because everybody was on their computer phone, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Everything was rich. But before the pandemic, everything was just word of mouth. And, uh, and we've trained over 50,000 people already. Wow. If you could give advice to uh, any of my listeners who maybe recently got out of prison or maybe they got out of prison, you know, a long time ago and they're just having trouble, you know, landing on their feet, having trouble getting something going, uh, what what would you tell them? I think take advantage of every, you know, that there are nonprofits around there that are that are helping people coming out of the prison system. You know, some might be good, some might not work for you but i came home i took advantage i humbled myself you know I, I, back in the day I, I would i always thought like i don't need anybody i don't need any help i took advantage of every nonprofit, fortune society um uh career gear uh thrive for life like i i took advantage of every nonprofit that was out there um and took all the resources and ran with it. You know what I mean? Like, you know, don't, don't be shameful enough. There's some people, you know, I mean, that, that they, they think that they don't need any help, you know, don't be scared to ask for help, you know, and then utilize it, you know, and, and be grateful that it is, that is there. You know what I mean? So coming straight out of prison, like take advantage, you know, it, things might get frustrating. You, you know, especially if you're trying to start a business, like, it's going to be the hardest thing you've probably ever done in your life, you know, still difficult, you know, with the, the situations that I had to face, you know, starting everything up. But um, first, try to find a job as quickly as possible, uh, but also take advantage of, you know, all the NGOs out there. I'm going to go back to that because I did want to ask you that before, but we went to something else. You taught, you said find a job as quickly as possible. I, I'm curious, someone like yourself who, you know, you've kind of always been looking for that instant, instant gratification, looking, looking to make money, um, you know, immediately that, uh, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta sell something to eat. 
Um, did, have you ever had like a, a regular a regular job where you're where you're an employee? And yeah. when you had that, I mean, were were you? Did you feel like you were kind of you know restrained and, and and constrained? Were you just itching to get out of there? Uh, sometimes, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I've I've I definitely had numerous amount of jobs. Um, I've but I've always like sold drugs on the side when I had jobs. <laughs> Like I was like a, a bike messenger in New York City when I was like 14, 15. Uh, and while I was doing that, I had a beeper and I was just like, you know, uh, on my runs, I was, go, you know, going on a route and like going to see somebody, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I mean, it, it, the hustle never stopped, but I, I was not, you know, I didn't care if I had to work for somebody else. You know what I mean? I'll, I'll put that work in. Uh, when I came home, I was I was doing housekeeping, you know, off the books. Like my uncle, you know, had a. Uh, I was using uh, he he was paying me his he was p- getting paid on the books, but he was I was doing all the work for him. <laughs> yeah, he was he was paying me eight dollars an hour. He was getting like twenty dollars an hour. Um, Contracting it out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I I was I was I I was humble enough. I didn't care. You know, I was. I was. I also had that that time is money. You know what I mean. Like, what am I gonna do? Just stay home and and pout. You know what I mean. I'm gonna go clean the toilet. You know what I mean, and make whatever I could get. You know what I mean until I, it, it starts growing. Definitely, man. Definitely. Um, you know, I, I think people. I'm just gonna predict it right now that they're gonna be blown away by this interview. Um, really, that not only for people coming out of prison, but during this time right now, the pandemic, a lot of people are knocked on their ass and um, it's an equal playing field. I mean, some people, you know, maybe some people lost their job. Some did and some are in worse situations than others, but to, uh, you can always pick yourself back up and that's, that's the first step. So I think this is the advice you're giving, the things you're talking about, the mindset, um, really turning your biggest, uh, your biggest liability or like for you, you know, ha- having, you know, having to check that box, turning that into your entire business. I think there's, there's lots of people who could, who could take that and use it in different ways. But uh, before I let you go, I just want you to, to plug, you know, plug Combody, plug anything else that you're working on. Let people know how they can get signed up to uh, do these workouts anywhere in the world. Yeah, absolutely. You can go to combody.com, hit us up on Instagram at Combody, C-O-N-B-O-D-Y on Twitter, TikTok, wherever you see us, you know, every every social media outlet is Combody. I'm also working on a nonprofit called Second Chance Studios where we're helping people coming out of the prison system, start their own podcast, become audio engineers. Um, I have my own podcast as well called XDO X Junkie that I started with uh, one of my trainers as well. He's the X Junkie. I'm the X Dealer. And we're just sharing war stories, but also um, political issues and, and things of that nature and, and sharing our clients' stories as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, check us out. You already know. Come body. All right. Cost Marte. Thanks for coming back on the show. Uh, thank you, bro. Hey, everybody. Taking a quick break here from the show. Wanted to remind you all to check out uh, my man, Tyler Colford, a.k.a. Crypto Man, and his new song, Free Ross. If you didn't hear my recent interview with Lynn Ulbricht, that was episode Felony Friday, episode 230. Interviewed Lynn Ulbricht, played Tyler's song, uh, Free Ross. It's fantastic, phenomenal. 
not just for uh, the message of freeing Ross Ulbricht, but overall for changing the broken criminal justice system. All the proceeds from uh, the Free Ross song, hashtag Free Ross by Crypto Man. You can find it on Spotify and Amazon, Amazon Music. 100% of the proceeds from the song, hashtag Free Ross by Crypto Man, go towards Freeing Ross Ulbricht. So please check it out. These are perilous times when they ruin your lives over victimless crimes and they sever your ties from your business loved ones and family wide. New slave play, but they barely pay you. Don't care about work ethic. Hope you all enjoyed that interview on Finding Freedom, another awesome guest. And hopefully you guys also have subscribed to the Lions of Liberty podcast and you're getting all three of our unique shows in your uh, little listening device delivered to your ears. Um, if you haven't, please do that. Just go to your app, you know how to do it, and subscribe. You can also leave us a five-star review and a nice comment. We would prefer if you did it on Apple Podcasts, but anywhere you can on the internet, please leave us a positive comment. Also, the three shows that we have, um, Monday's show with uh, Mark Clare, our flagship program, our longest-running program, and uh, on Wednesday, Electric Liberty Land with Brian McWilliams. Um, those guys have been killing it, and I am so excited about the direction of Lions of Liberty. Um, we're seeing some awesome numbers right now, and we're going to continue to grow, so it's great stuff. If you want to support us, we would love that too. Please go to patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty. You can uh, support us for as little as a couple bucks, or if you get in at a higher level, you get merchandise and access to us and all the way up to you can advertise on the show or get to even produce a show. So check it all out, patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty. And if you haven't checked it out yet, please consider checking out the Lions of Liberty store where we have some awesome t-shirts. We have a taxation is death t-shirt with an awesome design. We have a wax on tax off t-shirt and we're always coming up with new ideas and adding new t-shirt designs to the store. Check that out at lionsofliberty.store. And if you're in the pride, you get a discount on anything you buy in the store. So you do both of those things and you win. That's all I got, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. This is John Odermatt signing off. Always remember to keep your head up and the fires of liberty burning. Hey.